0: We're going to start off this morning with our memory verse of the month. The verse that we've been working on is Daniel chapter 2, verse 18. So, recite this with me. Daniel 2:18. He urged them to plead for mercy from the God of heaven concerning this mystery, so that he and his friends might not be executed with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. Daniel 2:18. Daniel is a book that we've been in it's a book we've been studying and I find it to be very rich I hope that you are as well I want to tell you a story that I read about an old miner an old miner that trusted in God He was a stalwart believer But he was injured in the mines at a young age This miner became an invalid Over the years he watched Through his window. As life passed him by, he watched men who were his own age prosper, raise families, and have grandchildren. He watched, but he did not share the rewards. He did not share the joys of these other men with whom he had once worked. He watched as his body withered, his house crumbled and his life wasted away. Then, one day, when the bedridden minor was quite old, a younger man came to visit him. The young man told him, I hear that you believe in God. I hear you believe that God loves you, said the young man. How can you believe such things with what has happened to you? Don't you sometimes doubt God's love? The old man hesitated and then smiled and said, Yes, it's true. Sometimes Satan comes along. He comes to my old and fallen down house. He sits right beside me. And he points out the window to the men that I once worked with. The men whose lives are full of success. Who are strong, active And Satan says in my ear, Does Jesus love you? Then Satan casts a jeering smile at the friends across the street as they play with their grandchildren. And Satan whispers in my ear, Does Jesus really love you? Then Satan points down at my non-functioning legs and whispers in my ear, Does Jesus really love you? Then I, in my mind's eye, I take Satan to a hill, to a hill called Calvary. And I point at a man on the cross with a spear-wounded hole in his side. And then I ask, doesn't Jesus love me? Today in Daniel, what we're going to see is we're going to see That sometimes everything goes wrong. For the faithful, everything goes wrong. But Jesus still loves. And that in and of itself is reason, is sufficient for us to be devoted to Christ. In Daniel chapter 2, we learned about a dream that Nebuchadnezzar had. We saw that God was sovereign over all of the world. We saw as Daniel and his friends were promoted to high positions. The question that remains is, okay, so what's next for these men who are following God? What we're going to see is a major problem that Nebuchadnezzar has. that has effects on all those around him. Nebuchadnezzar is proud arrogant and self-centered that's who he is and that has drastic effects on everybody around him but the reminder today is a reminder that our devotion despite the world around us our devotion despite those around us our devotion despite the trials that may befall us is to god In my mind, Nebuchadnezzar and the Babylonian royalty are the perfect example of what not to do. Time and time again, we can see them being faithless, self-centered, and arrogant. But Daniel and his friends are faithful, and it's worth it. So start turning in your Bibles to Daniel chapter 3. And what I want you to see today is that devotion to God stands out. It demands our submission, and it's in fact contagious. When we devote ourselves to God, when we devote ourselves completely to God, others cannot help but follow suit. So, the first point today. Devotion to God stands out. Look at verses 1 through 15 in Daniel chapter 3. King Nebuchadnezzar made an image of gold, 60 cubits high and six cubits wide, and set it up on the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. He then summoned the satraps, the prefects, governors, advisors, treasurers, judges, magistrates, and all the other provincial officials to come to the dedication of the image he had set up. So the satraps, prefects, governors, advisors, treasurers, judges, magistrates, and all other provincial officials assembled for the dedication of the image the king Nebuchadnezzar had set up, and they stood before it. Then the herald loudly proclaimed, nations and peoples of every language, this is what you are commanded to do. As soon as you hear the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, pipe, and all kinds of music, you must fall down and worship the image of gold that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. Whoever does not fall down and worship will immediately be thrown into a blazing furnace. Therefore, as soon as they heard the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, and all kinds of music, all the nations and peoples of every language fell down and worshiped the image of gold that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. At this time, some astrologers came forward and denounced the Jews. They said to King Nebuchadnezzar, "'May the king live forever. Your majesty has issued a decree that everyone who hears the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, pipe, and all kinds of music must fall down and worship the image of gold, and that whoever does not fall down and worship will be thrown into a blazing furnace. But there are some Jews whom you have set over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who pay no attention to you, your majesty,' They neither serve your gods nor worship the image of gold you have set up. Furious with rage, Nebuchadnezzar summoned Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So these men were brought before the king, and Nebuchadnezzar said to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the image of gold I have set up? Now, when you hear the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, pipe, and all kinds of music, if you are ready to fall down and worship the image I made, very good. But if you do not worship it, you will be thrown immediately into a blazing furnace. Then what God will be able to rescue you from my hand? Devotion to God stands out. We know that God is worthy of our worship. We know it. But that doesn't mean that there aren't opportunities to worship idols in our life. I want you to see the opportunity that came up. See, God alone is worthy of worship, but opportunities to idolatry are all over the place. Idolatrous opportunities abound. In the case of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they're placed in quite the circumstance. Nebuchadnezzar builds a massive image, idol, statue, statue, It's interesting that chapter three follows chapter two because nebuchadnezzar had a dream of an image It makes me wonder. I wonder if nebuchadnezzar didn't See the image in his dream and think you know God gave me that image to remind me he's sovereign, but I I kind of think i'm in charge. So i'm gonna make my own image And so nebuchadnezzar does it and this thing is impressive 90 feet tall nine feet wide We don't know if it was an image of a man. That'd be a a weird-looking man, 90 feet tall, 9 feet wide. Dimensions aren't quite right. Maybe it was an obelisk like you would find in Egypt. The word for image in Aramaic allows for either option. Whatever it was, it was impressive. And it was set on the plain of Dura. So it's flat land. So this 90-foot-tall image stands out. But more than that, Nebuchadnezzar gathers everybody together. He brings together everybody who is anybody in the kingdom of Babylon. Satraps are chief representatives of the king. Prefects are the military commanders. Governors are civil administrators. And the list goes on. Everybody who's anybody is commanded to come before Nebuchadnezzar's image. And so they're there. The empire is gathered. The king is calling for unity. And a call for loyalty is made. I can imagine the fervor. We've got everybody who's important here. We've got this massive thing that we get to look at. The king is called for unity and loyalty. And there's music playing to get our emotions up. Oh, and by the way, Just in case that's not enough to get you involved, let me incentivize this a little bit. If you don't participate, you die. Opportunities for idolatry abound. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were placed in a very interesting predicament. How easy it would have been to fall into idolatry here. How easy it would have been to go with the crowd Everybody's doing it, literally. And everybody is bowing down. If everybody is to bow down and you say standing, guess what? You stick out like a sore thumb. How easy it would have been to just bow, just make this public display, submit to the authority of the king. It's not a big deal, right? But it would have been. It would have been idolatry. Hindsight's twenty twenty. We look at this and we say, clearly Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego made the right decision. It would have been idolatry. Hindsight's twenty twenty. But how often do we fall into idolatry here? See, for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, idolatrous opportunities abounded. But for here, us today, now, idolatrous opportunities abound. You may be asked to bow. Before the idol of self image, right? Go spend all your time working out so that you look better. Bow before the idol of self image. Or maybe bow before the idol of success. Do everything you can do to earn as much money as fast as you can. Be loyal to your country, no matter the cost. We live in a world where idolatrous opportunities abound. What about the idol of personal time? I just need a lot of time to myself. That's just what I need. Is it really what you need? Or do you need time with God? We have lots of opportunity. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had lots of opportunity. What they knew and what we must know is that God alone is worthy of worship. And just so that you're aware of it, this fact is upsetting to some, to many. God alone is worthy of your dedication. God alone is worthy of your devotion. God alone is worthy of your worship. In verses 8 through 12, what we find is that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego stood strong. And so some astrologers come forward. Sounds to me in the text like they're a little bit jealous, but they come forward and they go to the king. They say, hey, king, you know those guys that aren't really from Babylon? They're not with us, but they were smart, so you promoted them? You know those guys that you, know, you, you elevated above where they should be anyways? Well, uh, they don't serve our gods, king. They don't serve you, and they're not worshiping your image. Didn't you say that the penalty for that was death? I want us to understand that in the world— There are those who will respond very negatively to the fact that we worship the one true God and that we refuse to bow to idols. The person who follows Christ will find themselves standing out like a sore thumb at times or standing out like something that needs to be knocked down by everybody else. That's what happened to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I want you to notice something. The accusations that these astrologers make They're all true. Now, the way that they painted them is problematic. But in fact, Shadrach, Meshach, and Medinogel have done everything wrong that these astrologers are accusing them of. They have defied the king. They have rebelled against their government. They have done treasonous and insubordinate acts. There may come a time in your Christian life where you have to choose God over everything else, it may happen to you. When that time comes, you will be forced to choose God. And there will almost certainly be those who come against you. But it will be worth it. See, God alone is worthy of our worship. And some simply will not understand it. There are many who don't understand why we would give everything to God. But, just like in the story earlier, in our mind's eye, we take him to Calvary and we show them the Savior on the cross for whom it is all worth it. Nebuchadnezzar was furious. He's been embarrassed in front of the entire kingdom. But at the same time, he seems to calm down really fast. If you, like, when I read the text all together, Nebuchadnezzar's on an emotional roller coaster here. He's furious, calms down, gets upset again. Actually, what, what's happening from a like, literary standpoint is Nebuchadnezzar is the only character in this story who's not static. He's the only character who's not flat. You see, Nebuchadnezzar goes from creating this party to mad to open to furious on God's side. He goes back and forth all the time. Everybody else is really static. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are a one-dimensional static character, flat character. They have one purpose in mind, and that is dedication to God. That's a good thing in this story. But Nebuchadnezzar's all over the place. He does not understand. Surely, surely the reason that you're not bowing down to my idol is you just didn't understand the directions. So let me give them to you again. Surely what's going on here is that you're just misunderstanding. Nobody would be so foolish. Nobody would be so foolish as to stay standing. So let me, let me spell this out for you again, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. When the music plays, you're going to get on your knees. It's, it's really simple. Because after all, look at verse 15. What God would be able to rescue you from my hand? I'm Nebuchadnezzar. We need to evaluate our life, and we need to ask, are there any idols? Are there any idols that you've been tempted or even pressured into worshiping? We should worship God alone, but opportunities for idols abound. They're all over the place, and it may be a temptation for you, or it may be a pressure that you're experiencing. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were under extreme pressure to bow before idols instead of worshiping the true God. So an honest evaluation is an important part of our life. Are there idols that you've been tempted or pressured into worshiping? Places where you spend your time because you feel pressure or obligation. Places where you pull from God just a little bit You bow down just a little bit because of a pressure that you might feel. The response of our three godly men is nothing short of extraordinary. It understands, or it demonstrates that they understand a really important principle. Devotion to God demands submission. That's what it means to be devoted to God. As seen through 23, the extent of submission. Let's look at verses 16 through 23. It says, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to him, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it, and he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. But even if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. The king's command was so urgent that the furnace so hot that the flames of the fire killed the soldiers who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men, firmly tied, fell into the blazing furnace. The statement that starts off here, we do not need to defend ourselves to you in this matter, is profound. The king of Babylon, has called them and they say, we don't need to defend ourselves to you in this matter. Their confidence, their identity was completely in God. So much so that they don't even seek to defend themselves before the king. As I was writing my thoughts down on this passage, I was struck here. I wish, I wish that my identity was so wrapped up in God that I never felt the need to defend myself. God's my judge. Why do I need to defend myself to somebody else? So that when someone criticizes me or or makes a comment about me that I don't feel that need to defend. If I'm right before God, I'm right before God. That's the attitude that Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego have. They choose to let God be their judge. They're unwavering in their devotion to God, single-minded in their devotion to God, because ultimately those who are devoted to God submit to God's protection. They respond quite simply. If we're thrown into the furnace, then God's able to deliver us from the furnace. If we're thrown in, God's able to deliver us. God's got this. Even though they were employed by Nebuchadnezzar, they knew that they didn't serve Nebuchadnezzar. They served God. But more than just God's got this, they were willing to accept God's decision. You see, those who are devoted to God accept God's decision. In an amazing statement of faith, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego recognize that God can deliver them but he may not, and they're okay with that. We know that God is able to deliver us. Verse 18, but even if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. They trusted God with eternity. And when you trust God with eternity, trusting him with the other things in life should be much, much easier. As I read through this, I was immediately reminded of back last summer, the deacons, Pastor David, and I had the opportunity to sit down and pray with Bruce Tucker about his cancer. And as we sat down and talked with Bruce, he told us something. He said, I know that God is going to heal me. Either he will heal me here or he will heal me in heaven. But either way, God's going to heal me. This is the stance of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I know my God will deliver me. King, you have no power over me. If you take my life, I'm still in God's hands. That is devotion. Don't trust God for your protection today without trusting him for your protection in eternity. Because today doesn't really matter at all. Eternity does Nebuchadnezzar is furious Rightfully so Like They have They have disrespected him In a pretty epic way And it's a reminder That those who are devoted to God May face harsh opposition And that's okay You know If if you read this from the other perspective From the perspective of Nebuchadnezzar without without God in the story, Nebuchadnezzar is right to be furious. He's been disrespected by these three wise men that were supposed to be on his side. He's been disrespected by people who are ignoring his rules, are disrespecting his gods, and disrespecting his nation. He's furious. Those who are devoted to God may face harsh opposition. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego have insulted the king in a pretty epic way, and they're going to pay a pretty epic price. So what's the king do? He does everything he can do to make sure that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego will die. In a very public way. And you can tell he's furious because he does a couple of things that just suggest his fury. First of all, he has the furnace heated up seven times hotter. That's A fire that is now seven times hotter is hot. I'm not quite sure what that means, actually. That's hot. He also, in his rush to have these men executed, he kind of forgoes the normal process. Normally, if you're executing someone in Babylonian times, you strip them naked first to shame them, and then you execute them. He doesn't even take the time to do that. He has them heat up the fire and get them in there. And that's the process that Nebuchadnezzar goes through. He rushes things likely so much so that he has his own soldiers killed by the heat of the flame because of the rush to get them in there and these strong men are killed as a result of the fire as well probably how this is set up in in babylonian times the furnace is probably some open topped brick structure with an open bottom so the air can come underneath and come out through the top and you would throw things into the top likely what happens is they put in seven times the amount of fuel. And they start pushing Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego across some sort of a platform over the top, and they're going to throw them into the furnace. And with seven times the amount of fuel, it's so hot that even these guards that are up on the top are killed by the heat that's rising up from the bottom of this furnace. They faced harsh reality. I want us to take a second, an action step. Look at your life. Look at your life and identify areas where God is calling you to submit as you bring your requests before God. What does this look like? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego tell Nebuchadnezzar, our God is able to deliver us if he so desires. I think this is how we need to pray. God, here's what I think Personally is the best outcome in this situation But I don't know And so I want to submit my request to you I have an idea of what I think it is. But as I pray I trust That you know what's best Really what this comes down to is when we pray When we talk about faith we don't have faith in an outcome We have faith In the character of our God. I think this is really important. Our faith is not in an outcome. Outcomes are great. We hope things happen. We hope things turn out the way we imagine them turning out. But if they don't, I know my God is perfect. I know my God's character is he's loving. I know my God is sovereign. And so my faith is not in this outcome. My faith is that God is going to do exactly what needs to be done in this situation. And I think that's how we should pray. God, here's what I think will bring you the most glory. Let me tell you what I think would bring you the most glory. But as I tell you, let me fully submit myself that you know what's best. And so my thoughts are just my thoughts. And I trust you because I know your character. Finally, in verses 24 through 20, through 30, I want you to see that devotion to God is contagious. Verse 24 says, Then King Nebuchadnezzar leaped to his feet in amazement and asked his advisors, Weren't there three men that we tied up and threw into the fire? They replied, Certainly, your majesty. He said, Look, I see four men walking around in the fire, unbound and unharmed, and the fourth looks like the son of the gods. Nebuchadnezzar then approached the opening of the blazing furnace and shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out! Come here. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out of the fire, and the satraps, prefects, governors, and royal advisors crowded around them. They saw that the fire had not harmed their bodies, nor was a hair of their heads singed. Their robes were not scorched, and there was no smell of fire on them. Then Nebuchadnezzar said, Praise be to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and rescued his servants. They trusted in him and defied the king's command God will never leave the side of his devotees. God will never leave the side of those who are devoted to God. The entire narrative, the way it's framed in verses 24 through 25, is a narrative of surprise, of shock. Nebuchadnezzar leaps to his feet. Weren't there three men tied up and thrown into the fire? It's a rhetorical question. Nebuchadnezzar knew there were three men. Look! Things aren't the way they're supposed to be. There's three things that are wrong with this picture. First, the men are up walking around in the midst of the fire. The guards that were above the fire were killed. These men are walking in the midst of the fire. That's not how the world works. Second, one plus one plus one is not equal to four. Third, whoever that fourth person is does not look right. That's not normal. You see, God never leaves those who are devoted to him. God never left Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego alone. And the fourth person was an important reminder that when we are devoted to God, we are not alone. In 26 through 30, we see that God will receive glory through those who are devoted to him. God will receive the glory through his devotees. Nebuchadnezzar approaches and calls out Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. But notice, he doesn't just call them out. He calls them servants of the Most High God. Up until this point, the whole world thought Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego served King Nebuchadnezzar. Now the king acknowledges they serve someone even higher. God used these three men in a public display of his power, to bring glory to himself. Nebuchadnezzar is the only character who's not flat, and he's now undergone a major change. He now recognizes that there is a God who's above him. Earlier, he had said to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, then what God will be able to rescue from my hand? He now has the answer, and he knows it. Yahweh, the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego has rescued, has delivered. He didn't deliver them from the fire. He delivered them from even greater, the consequences of the fire. It's one thing to stay out of the fire. It's another thing to defy all of physics and survive the fire. Nebuchadnezzar hasn't made a total change. We're going to see that next week. He's not done with his problems, but God was given the glory because of the decision of these three men. Being devoted to God is worth it. It has a lasting effect. So how do we wrap this up with the final action step? Be on the lookout for God by your side and make sure to point him out to others. You aren't in this alone. God is with you. So be on the lookout for how God's standing beside you through the trial. And as you see God beside you, point him out to others. Show others the God that we serve, the God to whom we are devoted. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Their strength their devotion to you. And I pray that we would have that type of devotion. The type of devotion that looks at the idolatry in our world and refuses to bow down before it. That stands out. That is willing at the same time to submit to you, recognizing that. When we take a stand for God, others may knock us down. But the sort of devotion that also recognizes that even when we're knocked down, even when we're facing trial, that you are standing right there beside us. Help us to see you and to point you out. That we might bring you the glory and others might see you through it. Pray this in Jesus' name, amen.